What's up, my friends? Matt here. This is the Matt Prince Podcast, brought to you by strengthcoachsecrets.com and Royal Fitness. Now, today's main topic is why HIIT training sucks and how to maximize your cardio fitness. Now, before we get into that, I wanted to share a Q&A with you guys that have been on these long-form podcasts each week. Um, one of the boys last night was asking about how to build thicker arms. So today's question is that. And when he says thicker arms, he's not talking about like bigger arms. If you look from the side and, and look at them, as like, wider i suppose he's looking at like from the back and from the front and trying to thicken them out that way so my answer was sort of uh an interesting one i've never actually been asked that question before in that in those exact words so i was sort of breaking it down in, in how i look at it now you can't directly make your arm wider um i, I don't believe anyway but you can't uh, you, you can make your arms bigger overall like any muscle essentially you can make it bigger and there's a few different ways to make it bigger there's there's different types of hypertrophy that you want to look at so there's basically like in simple terms there's the standard hypertrophy which is like the muscles um, tear apart they break down they get come back stronger and bigger and they end up denser and denser and denser and end up bigger and bigger and bigger right and that's that's the sort of normal type of uh, hypertrophy that we follow with our royal fitness method we're trying to get stronger and bigger in that way and it's a longer term process it really is it's, it's building thick slabs of dense muscle right and you can see the difference in this if you're looking uh if you're looking around in your gym and you'll see the guy who's been training for a while um and you know and when i say a while i'm talking like under a year he's got some decent size in that time but if he goes on like a two or three week holiday he'll come back and he'll look like he's fucking taken ice for the whole time and lost all his gains um that, that kind of hypertrophy which is common in the bodybuilding world um generally it's from sarcoplasmic hypertrophy which is basically a fluid retention type of hypertrophy so there's there's two different ways and the, the dense hypertrophy you get that from lifting heavy things and getting better at lifting heavy things um, and if you're trying to like find a rep range for that anywhere between six and 12 is my go-to for that um, denser kind of hypertrophy and then you've got your sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, which is more of the higher rep stuff, the endurance-based stuff. And when I say this, like a lot of, say a lot of bodybuilders or performance um, physique kind of people, they'll train in that range, but they'll only train in that length range and they'll do it with short rest. They'll get massive pump and their focus is chasing a pump. It's not so much increasing uh, the weight lifted all the time. So when you're training in that in that thing, you're going to get a, a lot of blood flow, a lot of fluid into that muscle. And it's good for you. It really is. There's a lot of good things that happen. But long-term, I think you, you're still better off focusing on getting stronger and focusing on your performance going up and using the two together. So I do both. We do both at the gym. Um, but my recommendation was to to try and build dense muscle over time rather than, than looking for it to come quickly because when you when it comes quickly, it goes quickly. When it comes slower, it's, it's there for longer, basically. So that was one part of my answer. The second part of my answer was your triceps take up two-thirds of your arm roughly, right? If you look at an arm from the, from the back, your triceps is the thick part, right? Obviously, that's, that's the tricep you're looking at. If you're looking at the whole arm, though, like the tries will basically, if you can get them bigger... Um, it'll make the whole arm look thicker and wider. If, and you see this a lot in guys who do a lot of curls and avoid their tries. 
they're essentially, they've got a good bicep peak, if you want to call it a bicep peak, but a flat back of the arm, and that's not a good look either. So I always recommend hitting the arms two to one ratio of tries to buys. That's what I do personally. It's good for performance, it's good for arm size, it's good for growth. Um, you, you'll find that your elbows will feel healthier and better. You won't get all the, the overuse shit that goes on when we're doing a lot of bicep stuff in that bicep tendonitis type area. You'll end up um, getting much, much stronger because your lockouts and your bench and overheads and stuff will improve from hitting more tries. And it's just gonna, you're just gonna feel better for that. And your shirt sleeve should stretch too. So tries you want to be hitting a lot and from different angles, right? You don't want to just be doing, um, your, 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 say, your pushdowns or your band pushdowns or whatever. You want to be hitting them different ways, getting them stronger and applying that 6 to 12 hypertrophy range that I was talking about. That's where you want to be sort of going really, really hard. And I look at it as like almost maxing out in that range. And when I say almost maxing out, I always leave one or two reps in the tank. I'm never training to complete shit failure. Um, it's more of like a mechanical failure. I know if that next rep's not going to be not perfect, but not pretty, um, I'll, I'll sort of call it there. And and that and, and there's a difference between training um, insane and training smart and then training like a pussy, right? Training like a pussy, if, you, if you're getting to say 10 reps and it starts to hurt a little bit and you stop, that's not really going to get you any huge gains long-term, right? But if you get to 10 reps, it starts to hurt a little bit, you get another two or three, and then it starts to get sloppy, that's when you stop, right? Those extra two or three, they're the ones that will make you grow. And when I, when I bring on guests in the future with like the bodybuilding experience stuff, they're the reps that they look for, right? Mechanical failure, not dangerous, right? They're, they're doing it in a way that's uh, strategic and just before they, they, they know where everything turns to shit. So you've got to consider those things. Now, it's an exercise I really like for the arms is skull crushes with a barbell. Um, beyond beyond all your compound lifts, right? When, when you, you compound lifts, if you get them up, you'll get bigger. Like if you can think of it as a point of view of like, if you can chin up more, as in like do more reps and do more weight, that's going to basically take care of most of your arms, like in terms of biceps and, and lats and back of your shoulders and all that, that that's going to take care of a lot of that. If you can get better at your push-ups, your bench pressing, your dips, your um, close grip bench overheads that's going to cover a lot of your tricep stuff like it's just the way it is an anterior delts now when you start to isolate though because i believe in isolation i think isolation is good and isolation helps improve those compound lifts that's why i like it so much if you can use things like skull crushes for your tries that's going to help increase your bench press over time which will will be a good thing for size right so if you can get your skull crushes and you're hitting in between that six and twelve range going hard with it there's going to be benefits in that. If you can do things like um, dumbbell, you know, rollback sort of triceps, like that, that sort of stuff is really, really, really good. Changing the angle and doing an exercise which is called a Williams press or a tape press. You might find it under on the, on the internet, interwebs, but that's basically where the dumbbells fold inwards and fold outwards. Like those exercises are really, really good for changing up the angles and building a complete tricep. In terms of biceps, I like curls. Um, different variations, dumbbells generally for me um, because they, they, they're good on the elbows. I've just started doing straight bar curls to try and build up my supination. So essentially twisting my arm um, so I can go underhand on rows and, and even deadlifts. It should help that sort of stuff. Um, but that's why I'm doing that. So I'm building that up light and eventually I'll build into heavier barbell curls. Um, and hammer curls are very, very good, especially if you're talking about improving like the thickness of your arm in terms of the width of it. Like the brachialis gets trained harder in the dumbbells. It will build up your forearms and, and stuff like that. 
which can be really, really helpful to build a thicker arm. So attack them all in different ways. You can't, like, I'm not going to say there's a best exercise. I just think if you can improve the basic exercises, improve your compound lifts, that's the first checkpoint. Second checkpoint is improve the lifts that improve those compound lifts. If you can do that, that's checkpoint number two and keep them in a range that you're hitting them really, really hard. And then afterwards hit that sarcoplasm hypertrophy based stuff, whether it's a hundred reps of bison tries, we do that a lot in the gym. You know, if it's good for tendon health, it's good for like blood flow through the muscles. I think there's a lot of benefits to doing high, high reps, right? And I finished uh, Saturday's bench session. I was just doing a heap of overhead, overhead band work um, with like one of those thickish bands, like one of the medium sort of bands. And I was doing sets of 50, right? And after about 20, it sucks. But the blood flow and pump in there is really, really good. And the next day I pulled up quite well, right? Especially after a hard workout. So I was happy with that. Anyway, hope that helps out. I hope that uh, makes a little bit of sense. But look at trying to build up your compounds and then build the isolations that will build your compounds. And over time, you'll get bigger and you'll just get more and more muscle on you. And it's going to take time. There's no one with big arms. Or there's probably some people that were born with big arms, but most people who have earned them, it hasn't been an easy thing it's generally the most frustrating spot for them um you know it's not like quads where they're huge muscles and they build fast it's uh it's a bit slower and it will take time and it'll take patience but you can't do it to a point where you just get elbow pain and soreness you need to be strategic with it and and sort of hit them at the right times um but yeah that's my recommendation there i will get a bodybuilder on in the next few months I'll say months, I was going to say weeks, but it will be definitely be the next few months, hopefully weeks, um, to talk about this in depth. This is a question I'll ask him and see what he says. Um, and it'll all, all come down, I'd say, to, to volume. And that's what I'm basically getting across now. So hope that helps. Anyway, let's move into the podcast topic of the day. So why here training sucks and how to maximize your cardio fitness. Now, as I get into this, I don't want, I don't want you guys to think of this as like a... Uh, an attack on the hit world, right? I just want to point out some of the pros and cons of high intensity interval training, right? There's a massive, like I've been in the industry a very long time now and every few years, there's a new wave of things that pop up, right? When I first was in the industry, it was all about Les Mills, you know, body step, body attack, body aerobics, like all that sort of stuff. And it was fantastic. People loved it. They, they trained in it and it did good. Like it, was, it was good, right? The next sort of wave that came through was the CrossFit wave, right? And became like this, this CrossFit wave and all these affiliates started opening up and CrossFit was a thing. And I, even I was, doing, I was doing CrossFit. I'm a CrossFit coach, qualified and all that stuff. I'll look into all these things, guys. Like the Les Mills, I, didn't, I looked into and I just thought it was a, um, um, you know, like an over-glorified 80s, class right and i think you know there's definitely a lot of improvements that could be done on those training systems so i, I never got into that never coached it um, i filled in a few times to help out some of the other coaches because there's some amazing les mills instructors that i worked with so i'm not, not not like dissing the instructors it's just the actual i think the system isn't that great and long term you could see the the guys and the girls um and mainly female orientated but that they would be going to the pump classes and they'd be no stronger in a year they'd be no bigger in a year they'd be no different in a year right the girls that were doing step four or five times a week like generally the, the body shapes wouldn't really change 
um, after the first sort of eight to 12 weeks, which you know any program will change your body in that time. So um, it made me realize that there's probably other things that I need to be doing and that would be like an accessory to those other things. And you know, I'll go into that a little bit more at another point, but the next wave was the CrossFit wave. I liked it and uh, I still think it's fantastic. But I kept getting hurt with it. That's why I moved away from it. That's why I moved away from coaching it. Um, I found shoulders, um, elbows were getting jacked up. Not so much anything else, not like really back um, or anything like that. Some people would get a bad back because of the high repetitions of heavy weights. So the, the technique just goes to shit. Basically, if you're pushing too hard, it's just like, I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think that's what happens. So you got to be careful on and limit how often it happens. And I also believe that doing it every day, it's too much on the body to recover from, which is kind of where I'm going with this hit stuff. So um, you'll understand and start to link you together. Now, the next phase after the CrossFit, as, uh, as the industry was growing, was the functional fitness phase, right? Which was like, stand on BOSU balls, do fucking curls to presses on a Swiss ball, train on one leg, you know, all this kind of stuff, like make sure every movement's compound. You know, if it doesn't, if it's not compound, it's not functional, all this sort of stuff. like. And to be fair, like it did help the industry progress forward because it progressed it away from machine training and same, same thing happened with CrossFit. It, it progressed away from machine training. However, the functional is a questionable term, right? Like functional for what? That's the thing. Like they were saying that if you were to do something on unstable service surface, it's not functional because, you know, you play footy or you play sport on a stable surface but really like fuck there's a place for every single exercise the place for every single method there's a place for every single thing there's a person that will benefit from the things that you know i'll say aren't beneficial there'll be people that will benefit from that so um you know i don't want to sound like i you know i'm not committing to a certain method like the royal fitness way is the way i believe and getting you know stronger and better over time is definitely the way but some people do need to stand on a BOSU ball and do need to do some kind of aerobics. Like that's what they can handle and that's where they're at and that's fine. So that was the next sort of phase. Boot camp was another phase. I was in the boot camp phase. I was uh, doing 6 a.m. boot camps at Manningley Park in the middle of winter. Um, that's how into it I was. And uh, we're getting after it, right? And the, the crew that was in that boot camp, there's people that still train with us today from that. And it was fucking brutal. Like we, we went hard and it was awesome and I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Right. But again, I grew out of it. It was, uh, it was something that as soon as I had a roof to, to train people in, I preferred that much to, much more than uh, being out in the fucking freezing cold on a cold Wednesday morning in, in, uh, in Bacchus Marsh. So that happened. And then what other phases were there? There's, you know, now it's, it's coming in towards the, the hit phase, right? That there's other phases that have happened, but they've sort of, haven't been as big and they've probably been bigger in my mind. There's an MMA phase for a while. Every guy wanted to be a fighter when Chuck Liddell was fucking throwing overhand rights and knocking people out. Everyone wanted to be a fighter and then they went and trained in fighting, got punched in the face and didn't want to be a fighter anymore. <laughs> it's it's the way fighting is. It's it's a it's a sport where you're gonna get punched in the face and strangled. I've got a black eye right now. Um, and I don't even know how it happened, it just happened. But there was a lot of people that were thinking that was the thing. So I started trying to do MMA based fitness circuits. That was the next phase from MMA. Like people were doing 
you know, like CrossFit had a workout called Fight Gone Bad. There's people that were doing that. So it's like one minute rounds for five minutes, have a minute rest, trying to emulate what, you know, George St. Pierre would be doing or, um, you know, any of the other UFC fighters, Brock Lesnar, everyone wanted to slam ropes like Brock Lesnar for a while because he had his hype video. Um, now, all of these, all of these things, like, again, there were phases that sort of moved out. Like, people don't think about that anymore. And, um, and the ones that do, like the trainers that have held on to that, they're, they're still stuck in that era and it's a thing that they you know when they when you get stuck in an era it's risky business for your business as a personal trainer but also for the people who, you, who you're serving like if you're not growing they're not growing either right like you have to be ahead of it and that's why i'm constantly researching and studying and learning new things and going overseas and, and learning from the best in the industry like it's it's part of the process you have to do it anyway the phase that's currently happening at the moment is the hit phase. And there's a reason for it. The hit phase is an easy to get into um, business model, right? It's a cheap outlay. You don't need much equipment. You're doing mainly body weight stuff. You may have like a few light things. It might be like dead balls, and like dumbbells and ladders and sleds and all that sort of stuff. And it's all, all, all great. It's all good stuff, all good equipment. However, the reason it's an easy thing to get into, it doesn't really take much thought. Like it's smash some random exercises together and tell everyone to get after it. Like it's it's not a hard thing to coach. It's not a hard thing to understand as a coach, even though there's definitely the best, the ones that do it really, really well, there's some great intricacies to it, right? There really is. And there's some programming genius, which I'll go into a bit later on, how to structure it all properly and how to do it right. Because hit training something that, all these fads that I've been talking about, I've done them the whole time. It's not new. It's not fucking fancy. But what people have done, they've taken a small proportion of what training should be and they've tried to monetize that and make it so the whole program's based around that. Now, when you ever you do that, whether it's in strength or in, in um, say, flexibility, like yoga or Pilates or anything, like if you just purely do martial arts, like, and that's your thing, like, there's there's a downside to your body that happens from doing that like it's it's just you have to be really mindful you can't take one aspect and just and just go after that because it's it's you're going to miss out on benefits from other areas so with all the hit training going on with all the people coaching hit and teaching hit and doing hit and wanting more hit work wanting to be smashed every single day for like 45 minutes and or to an hour whatever it is like the more you do of that stuff, like just understand that you're working really, really hard for a reward that isn't that great, right? And I'll explain why as, at, right now as we sort of creep into it. So I'm just gonna get up something on my computer um, as, I, as I look at this. Now, there's a, a chart called, or there's a, there's a concept called zone training, right? Zone training is, a really easy, simplified way to explain the cardio system and how to improve fitness. So in, when I was doing marathon running, what I would do is it'd be, you'd have runs at, at zone two, you'd have runs at zone three, and that's where like you build your base. Okay, and I've explained base and the pyramid concept and all this sort of stuff um, over the time and uh, in, in the podcast, in, in past podcasts, and essentially like building up a base would be like zone two, zone three running. It's It's kind of, Kind of easy it just improves your aerobic fitness it's uh you're still getting better you're definitely getting better you're building that base out and you're improving your general fitness 
right? You've got times when you need to Mac, you go harder and maximize things. And when you maximize those things, it will help improve the lower levels. So like, let's say when you're hitting those, those so whether it's zone four or five, where it comes to harder maximum, when you're in those zones, that's going to improve your baseline or it will improve the top level of your baseline. So if you're somebody who runs um, 5K, right? As an example, and you're in zone two, and you're always doing that, and you're in the zone two being 60 to 70% of your maximum heart rate, and the time, the example duration you'd be doing that might be like anywhere between 40 and 80 minutes. That's where you sort of sit in zone two. It's basically going to improve your endurance. It's going to help recovery. It feels comfortable. Breathing's pretty easy. You know, there's a low muscle load, so you're not like getting huge lactic acid pools in your body. You'll be sweating a little bit, but not heaps. It's something that you can, it's, I recommend people to start in that and then uh, and they can sort of, you know, improve and progress from here. But if you were to hit this, this zone two, zone three thing, sort of level all the time, what happens is you don't get any of your fast twitch fibers. You don't only get, get any lactic acid um, control, essentially, if you look at it from that, but you don't use those energy systems. So you're not used to that burn. So as soon as you step up the pace to be above 80%, you're really going to struggle. Like it's going to be really fucking hard and you'll feel a complete difference, right? So what I like to look at is I like to sort of explain it to people in this way. So you've got zone one, which is very light. 50 to 60%. Zone two, which is light. So you got 60 to 70%. You got zone three, which would be moderate, 70 to 80%. You've got zone four, which is hard work, 80 to 90%. And you've got zone five, which is maximum, 90 to 100%. Now, if we start to look at the time durations that they can sort of be, be handled in, there's, you know, we'll work it backwards from zone five. When you're in that 90 to 100% zone, right? Working as hard as you possibly can. It's like maximum output as fast as you can go, as hard as you can go, right? And you might be doing really, really short, um, short bursts with really, really short rest periods, repeating, going after it, right? It's super athletic based performance work, right? It's going to be less than five minutes that you can handle that with, with a heart rate range of that 90 to hundred percent. Now, for me, in the beats per minute, it would be in between about 170, 190. That's how, that's how hard my heart would be beating with a, you know, a, a theoretical max heart rate of about 191. That would put me at the very top. Okay, now, it's going to help performance, but I can only handle it for five minutes, right? So that's, that's, that's true, like, when you talk about high intensity, that's high intensity. Same when you go into the hard zone. When it's 80 to 90 percent the heart rate for me like the beats per minute would be in between about 150 and 170 maybe mid 170s right and again duration of time i can only handle that for two to ten minutes in that bracket somewhere right it's going to improve my performance still it's going to be massive for my performance gains but it's going to be more in that lactic acid area not that all out fucking go hard till your lungs are exploding area it's going to be more lactic acid type thing so if you think of like 400 meter repeats, you know, might be doing, say, you know, 10 minutes of sled work, something like that, where you get that huge burn, huge heart rate, but you're not, you're not at like 100 meter sprint pace the whole time, right? It's gonna, you're gonna have huge muscular fatigue in zone four and heavy breathing, but it's not gonna be like, you know, if you do one more, you're just getting slower and slower running into the ground. It's, it's in a little bit more controlled um, sort of, zone and area um and if you look at the next level down so moderate moderate cardio like or moderate zone you're number three 
You're between 70 and 80%. So beats per minute in the heart rate will be between 133 and 150, roughly. This is calculated off me, 152, 133 to 152. This is an area that you can spend 10 to 40 minutes in roughly. Okay, and this will improve your aerobic fitness. This is really, really good. Again, base building type quality. The fatigue's not that bad. Breathing's pretty easy. Moderate sweating. Like This is generally where people will spend time in. Right, and, and as it goes to light, very light. Like I'm not going to talk about those in depth now, but I'll go into it a little bit later. But this, the issue with the the moderate area is that that's where it improves general fitness. Right, you don't get any of your um, lactic gains where you, you're going to you're not going to really, apart from building your base, if you don't train in zone four and five, when you get pulled into that next zone, it's going to be really hard. Right, really fucking hard. Like, and and you see this in in people who do. Um, jiu-jitsu or you know um, running like you see it in the areas like if i'm doing light jiu-jitsu and i'm not training really really hard as soon as i start to do hard comp rounds with somebody really good my my grip goes get all this like acid pulling in my body like really fucking gets to be a really hard battle and my heart rate shoots up to zone four even up to zone five like it, it's close to peaking if i have to go more than five minutes in a round with someone who we're just going after it like lungs are burnt out Right. But if I'm staying in that easy, easy, moderate pace, I can go for, for, for hours, right? It's easy. Now, if you think about it in a running point of view, if you were to go out and run a 400 meter sprint as hard as you possibly can, as fast as you possibly can, it's one of the worst pains that you can experience in fitness, I believe. It's no different if you were to keep sprinting a light sled for the same sort of time. It might be like two minutes. It's going to really hurt. It's going to really hurt. You're going to get a huge burn in your body. Your lungs are going to be shot. Your breathing is going to be off the charts. You'll feel really, really puffed out. Like it's going to be hard. It's going to take time, like a lot of time to recover from, right? When you start to think of like a moderate, if you were just to run a jog around that 400, really you could probably keep that same 400 pace at the jog. Like say, again, in between that 70, 80% of your max heart rate, you could keep that for 3Ks. You can keep it for 10Ks. That's generally the pace that people will spend, even lighter than this. This is what they run marathons and stuff at. Usually it's about a zone two where people are running the distance work. And that's, the, that's so they can go for longer, right? So the reason I'm sharing this with you guys, when we start to look at it, now I hope that makes a little bit of sense. I hope I haven't babbled too much in that, in that little chat there, but... The reason I'm sharing it with you, I think it's really, really important that you understand what the zones are briefly, roughly, so that we can look at what I'm going to talk about today. So HIIT training, the idea behind HIIT training, like if you go to a HIIT training specialist, HIIT training gym, a you know a, a, a circuit-based place that promotes HIIT or whatever, like they will tell you that it's the best way to get you know, leaner. I'll tell you it's the fastest way to get leaner. They'll tell you it's your fastest way to improve your fitness. They'll tell you that you, you'll build muscle. They'll tell you that, you know, you like lean muscle. They'll tell you that, you know, your cardio metabolism will be higher for the next 48 to 72 hours. And in proper high-intensity interval training, this is correct, right? If you were to, per, if you were to go for bursts in zone four to zone five that is correct it's going to happen that those things are true the issue is when you're training for 45 minutes to an hour doing these hit sessions 
it's physically impossible to be in those zones for the whole time. Like it just can't happen. Like the thing is like when you, when you're doing complex exercises or different varied exercises and just random shit, like thrown at a, at a board or a TV screen, like when you're doing that sort of stuff, like it just doesn't maximize what you can get from the time and effort you're putting in. And it will, what will sort of happen in turn, your heart rate will drop down and you'll end up in that moderate, even light sort of zone for most of the 45 minutes or the hour because you just can't sustain the work. Now, this is where it starts to get a little bit tricky. So when you do proper training, this is, this is, this is what I believe proper training is when people are trying to improve performance, when people are trying to improve their, their body in terms of like postural muscles, they're trying to build up their posture, they're trying to move better, they're trying to get stronger, fit out all of those things at once. This is where we, this is how we use HIIT training in Royal Fitness, right? So in our normal sessions, let's call it strength club sessions or the, you know, the girls specialized program, like what will happen is people will come in and they'll warm up, which raises their heart rate. So they might be in a zone two, right? When we get the heart rate to a zone two and that's, that's part of a warm up. And we're trying to get people doing that. So there's light, like light sweaty, you know, they're, their heart rates are up a little bit, their body's got blood pumping around it, they're feeling good, they're feeling awake, they're ready to go. What we'll do then is we'll do some sort of explosive-based work, which will, in that, you know, it might be three sets of 10 or whatever it is, like whatever we're doing, um, let's say it's kettlebell swings, ball slams, and you know, broad jumps or something like that, like as an example, that's maximum effort, okay? So heart rate might not, increase up to 190 just because it's not short enough but it very well could like it very well might because if, if somebody's doing say five maximum raw jumps and they're putting everything they've got into it they rest for 30 seconds repeat that rest for 30 seconds repeat that and do it two more times they've got five sets of five raw jumps it's a high chance the heart rate's going to be over 150 even up to over 170 for say someone like me your heart's going to be pumping right now that will train the heart to get stronger. That'll train that topper, that higher end, um, that higher end level of your of your heart rate. Okay, which is good. When they're hitting heavy strength, they'll generally sit in that moderate level. They'll still be getting fitter. This is building their base as they're building their strength, as they're building their muscle. Right in the accessories, it might be similar. It might be that, that again that moderate. You'll start to feel the burn. Everything's going. They're sweating pretty heavily. Breathing's not crazy just yet. We're doing this every session, so we're always hitting some sort of warm up. We're always sort of, um, we're always hitting some sort of power work, some sort of strength work, some sort of accessory and corrective base movements to try and just improve everything. We're doing this every single session. What we also do is we'll have a finisher. All right, when it's a conditioning based finisher, what it is, it's about ten minutes roughly, maybe fifteen minutes, depending on what sort of area we're trying to spend in. If we're trying to spend a lot of time in between the hard and the maximum two zones. So if zone four and zone five, it'll be under 10 minutes. If we're trying to sort of split in between moderate and up to level five and then back down, so it's like three, four, five, it'll be like 15 minutes or so, right? And, and the reason we, we do it like this is because we understand that that's work that people will be able to manage in a short period of time. It's gonna benefit their maximum 
cardio fitness, it's going to benefit their maximum performance-based conditioning, I would call it. But it's not going to beat them up coming into the next session. It's not so much like they're not doing it just for an hour straight, just for the sake of it, because we, we don't know what else to do. Like we're deliberately keeping these conditioning sessions shorter, right? Because we've already done a lot of hard work. We've already done, you know, all of the all of the weights and all of the power-based work, which is taking the heart rates to pretty high levels. Okay, so hope that makes some sense. That's how we run out at normal structured programs. So essentially we're getting it all and performance and improvements are going to happen. Like it's just how it is. Now with our conditioning sessions, it's a little bit different. We're deliberately playing in between all of the zones. So we're going up and we're going down so we can sustain work for a longer period of time, but we're not focused. Like we don't call them hit training because it's not right. We're, we're doing bursts of high intensity work. And then we're creeping it back down to having it in the moderate range and the light range to build up a base. And then we're doing bursts again to get the intensity back up. But it's not like 45 minutes or an hour of just smash it. It's like deliberately we might have runs that are a bit longer and that's where they're in that cardio steady state range where they might be in zone two or three where they're just sort of cruising along using it sort of, sort of, as, a, sort of as a recovery. You know, but long-term it's going to build their general fitness. And then they might be doing more power-based movements where they're hitting like, you know, it might be swings and burpees and sleds and stuff like that stuff. that's really hard and lactic acid-based. They might be doing that to get their heart rate spiked again and then have another like longer type of cardio break almost. We have to structure it like that. That's I can't explain how to program in, in five minutes on this podcast um, without, you know, drawing and, and doing pictures on whiteboards and stuff like that. So I'm not going to try, but if you look at the way coaches at Royal Program, you'll understand it. You'll be like, oh, that makes sense. So we'll go really, really hard for a short period of time. When they say to go as hard as possible for five minutes, that means go as hard as possible for five minutes. You will be rested after that. You'll, you'll go back to, to like steady heart rate. We're going we're gonna to look after it. So essentially spike it, let it come back down for a while. We spike it again once it's recovered, let it come back down for a while. That's how we get our conditioning done well, right? The difference between doing that and doing a whole... 45 minutes or a whole hour of straight circuit based stuff is when you do it, do it consistently and you keep going for that long period of time, like whether it's 40 seconds on 20 seconds off, 45 seconds on 15 seconds off, whatever it is, when you do that for a long period of time, you end up just in the moderate heart rate zone, right? But the difference is you're doing exercises that beat your fucking body down, like smashes your joints, right? Cooks out your muscles. You pull up really sore and stiff from doing that. Where if you were to, you know, if you wanted to get a moderate sort of movement-based thing, you could go for like a jog for 40 minutes and get exactly the same fitness gains, exactly the same calories burnt, I would suggest. And you'd, you'd probably feel better the next day and be able to do it again, right? If you, if you are someone who recovers very, very well and you're like, no, you're wrong, Matt. I can recover from a hard, you know, hit session for 45 minutes. I can back it up the next day. I can back it up the next day. I can back it up the next day. What I would suggest to you is like start testing your maximum strength and see if seeing if that's going up. Start testing, you know, if if you're making progress in specific areas or if you're just becoming generally good at doing things like mountain climbers and um, you know, side sit-ups and all this sort of stuff. Like 
the, all the burpees, like all of those things, they're, they're not really going to help you in any way. Unless maybe a burpee might help you if you get into wrestling and you need to sprawl on somebody. But even still, like there's no need to do 50 of them or 20 of them. Like I don't, I don't see the carryover. Okay, so I know this sounds like a little bit of a rant and it kind of is, but I, I just really, I really want you guys to, who, who follow you know, the Mapman's podcast and the members at Royal to understand that you don't want to waste time and effort on something that won't give you the results that it promises, right? If you, if you spend time building your strength, you will be stronger. Like your muscle mass will go up. You'll, you'll improve in your movement. You'll feel better. Like everything will improve. Like you're running, everything will improve, especially if you're a performance-based person. You get stronger, you'll improve. Power will go up. You know, your injury rate will go down. Like everything will get better. But if, you're, if you're someone who just loves the, the sweat, like get into infrared saunas. Get into distance-based work. Like do, do, you know, break it up and have... You know, instead of going and doing that 45 minute circuit, go for a run or go for a ride and do, you know, intervals in that. You might, you might go, all right, cool. I'm going to do, go for a run for 40 minutes, might be five minutes for warm up. And then you just go a minute hard and then five minutes slow, minute hard, five minutes slow. You're still going to get a lot of fitness out of that, right? And you won't feel the shit the next day either. So I'll move on from that. I think I've covered that. I think I've made that clear enough uh, on some ideas around that and how we sort of do it a little bit differently. This is what I want to sort of touch on before I sort of wrap up this podcast. When we look at structuring training well to improve strength, to improve movement, to improve fitness, to, to you know, lose weight, get fit, get lean, all that sort of stuff, a good structure or a good guideline, if you're hitting strength three to four times a week, uh, especially if your goal is to, to get stronger, like, you need to be doing three to four times a week. That's a really good place to start, right? Strength, I think strength king. I'm biased with strength. Like I think, you know, the, the results speak for themselves. Um, you look at all the best athletes in the world and they're generally the most powerful and strongest athletes. Like it's just the way it is. You look at the people that have had the biggest body transformations, they generally do strength. Like especially if they've maintained that body transformation, they're generally strength-based people. They're not people who have, uh, you know, lost it really quickly from doing a heap of cardio, like four or five hours of cardio a day. Like I met one of the biggest loser boys. He came to train in the gym years ago. He won Biggest Loser. Um, I think it was like 2012. He won it or 2013. He won it. And uh, he came to train with us and he couldn't do a lunge. And I was like, fuck, man, you've been trained by the commando, Shannon Ponton, like Michelle Bridges. Like you've had all these coaches and you can't do a fucking bodyweight lunge. You've lost, what, 60 kilos or something you lost and you can't do a bodyweight lunge. What the fuck is going on? And I, I sort of said to him afterwards, I'm like, hey, man, like, you've got, you got some good fitness and you've done very, very well, so you should be really proud of yourself. But what sort of training were you doing in there? He's like, hey, we just didn't eat. We just did heaps of cardio. <laughs> and, and all the all the the main sort of workout stuff that they're doing is for camera. Like, So very rarely they do that. But he couldn't do a lunge. And it made me realize that, like, this guy's going to have some, some, some pretty hard fucking battles moving forward. Like, his body's beat the, sh beat the shit from doing, you know, this quote-unquote hit-style training, right? His body was beat the shit, and he, he lost all his weight. And, like, I see photos of him now, and he's gained a lot of that back. 
Uh, he's probably maintained you know a loss of half of what he lost to, to win it, but he still gained a lot of weight back. He's not the man that he was at the end of the comp, which is which is fine. Like I don't expect him to be. It doesn't affect me at all. But what I would suggest, if he had have focused on his strength and movement and got better over time and did it a little bit longer and slower and you know sustainable, he he would be a different man today, right? It's just that's just what I've seen. I've seen people lose. We've helped people lose fifty kilos, and we've done it in the way that we do it at Royal, and they sustain it. One of the boys currently, he's down down 35 from when he started. He's absolutely fucking smashing training. Like he's doing very, very well. Still got a long way to go. He still wants to drop another 20 or you know, 25 kilos. And he will do it. He will do it. I've got no doubt he'll do it. But along this journey, like he fell off the wagon last late last year for a month and a half. And injury and shit going on. Christmas time pops up, all that sort of stuff. He only put on three kilos. Right, he put on three kilos and pulled himself back in line with his diet, got back into training, good to go. Right, it's because he has a significant amount of muscle mass. Right, that really, really helps keep everything in check internally, um, and it doesn't allow him to fluctuate as much if he was reliant on cardio to burn calories, which is what happens with people who become reliant on hit. Now, going back to it again, I went on a tangent. I'm sorry. How to structure it well, three to four strength sessions a week with hard finishes. I really like hard finishes, whether it's you know, things like battle ropes and sprints or sleds or hill sprints or um, you know little circuits where it's like kettlebell-based circuits. I think kettlebells are fantastic for, for, for hitting these, these hard at maximum levels in the zones. I think they're fantastic. Right, doing longer, longer forms of, of kettlebell work to even hit the moderate base fitness, like it's fantastic to do. It's tough. Okay, it's a fantastic thing to do. So you hit the three to four strength sessions with hard finishes. We build this into Royal with the girls. They do a lot more volume on the Fridays. We uh, we call it metabolic power and conditioning based stuff, but it's very strength based movements. And they're, they're generally, it's it's almost like a, a, a bunch of massive supersets um, in a bodybuilding style setup. So that we're doing things like you know lunges, and they might go into things like squat jumps, hitting contrast based training, hitting core after it, and it keeps their heart rate high. But it also, they're getting stronger in these times. They're getting a lot more volume in. And it's, it's a really good way. If you look at it as like an accessory, that's sort of how our coaches program. We even do speed-based work with them now as well, where we might be doing like trap bar deads or Romanian deads or something like that to, to help build up weak points or, you know, build up the speed from, from the floor or whatever it is. Whatever we're trying to do in, in any given program time, we've got specific areas. And then, again, we're finishing with a little bit longer um, blocks of cardio in these times and it might be again it's it's stuff that's easy to recover from joint wise um might be things like pad work kickboxing boxing uh, you know kettlebell work sled work circuit based stuff it's not throwing a heap of shit on the wall together just for the sake of it it's strategic and then next week we build off it next week we build off it and over time they improve drastically so that's how we sort of structure it with the guys. Um, it, we program it in, you know, in as well. So we've, we've got the conditioning aspect to strength club too. With pure conditioning, when I talk about pure conditioning, uh, I'm talking in that moderate zone. So a lot of hit places, this would be what I class as pure conditioning. So if you're looking at like doing, um, you know, going to a hit-based gym, that'd be pure conditioning. I don't think it's enough to, to gain 
elite fitness, but it's a good way to, to get sweaty, to burn some calories and to, to build out your fitness base. But again, you'll be spending most of that time in the moderate zone where you're between 70 and 80%. Or for me, a 29 year old, it'd be in between 130 beats per minute, 150 beats per minute, roughly. Um, it's, that's sort of what would happen. At, at Royal, our conditioning sessions are like that as well. So they're based around that. I'd recommend only doing one to two. Um, and the reason we don't have a conditioning only program is because I don't believe it gives results. Like I'm not just saying this, it's easy to run conditioning sessions. I could easily build a conditioning program where we run it just purely as that. People can come 12 times a week and do it. We actually used to run a program called Raw, which was conditioning based. And the results weren't there how I wanted them to be. Even with great programming in the conditioning sort of sector, we, we found that as soon as they started adding strength into it, they improved, right? Their bodies transformed and that's why we stayed away. So I could, I could open up the, you know, the conditioning area of our gyms I've used a lot of the time. I could maximize that by getting a, fit, a hit trainer in and doing that. I just don't think it's, it's like the best way, right? Unless they're doing strength they're not going to progress long-term. So that's why we do that. But conditioning, again, one to two sessions a week, varied intensities can be very modern, you know, um, modalities. So if that's a run, if it's, um, you know, interval-type running where you're going and you're doing a K on fast and then 500 meters slow and then doing another K, that stuff's fantastic for building fitness. Fantastic. Then from there, so we've got the three to four strength sessions, the one to two conditioning sessions. That covers all of the harder work. After that, I would say some steady state work. So here you can do anywhere between, I'd say one to seven sessions in the steady state zone. And in the steady state zone, you're looking in very light to light. So you zone one and two, heart rates under 70%. It um, might be a walk, you know, daily walk. I recommend daily walks. A lot of our challenges, we, we recommend doing daily walks. Um, it just burns extra calories, but it also helps improve recovery. Like you'll feel better. You know, it's going to improve overall health and metabolism. Everything's just going to be moving better. Um, it's not hard. You know, you can breathe easily. Your muscles recover easily. Like it's not hard at all. Really good way to get started if you're a complete beginner. And again, it will build your base out. So you're just going for walks or power walks can really be good. I'm going for swims, rides, that sort of stuff. But you're doing it for the time frames could be anywhere between, you know, 20 minutes up to like an hour and a half. Like, it's fine. You can keep doing it. You won't beat yourself up too bad. I look at um, I look at these sort of things where people see them and they're like, oh, it's not hard enough. These are the things where like over time, they really add up. It really makes you feel good. And it's it's one of those things like if you were, if we were to up, let's say we do three walks a week, right? As the steady state things, we've got two conditioning sessions. We've already got three strength sessions, right? So we've got, five hard sessions and three easy sessions, essentially, or three easy walks. You know, if you were to switch those walks for hard bursts of exercise, you're gonna burn out, you're gonna be overtrained, you'll feel like shit, you'll stop progressing. When you take them, you know, take those three hard ones out, replace them with the steady state, it's now a program where you're getting your maximal work in with the strength club type work. You're getting strength, you're getting better, everything's improving. You might be doing the one hard conditioning session, getting fitter in that, get pushing hard, feeling the lactic acid burn, feeling your heart rate go up, your lungs burning. If you now spend those other three days to recover and to feel good and keep moving, you're going to progress forever. Like you keep progressing. As soon as you start to get too greedy and try and force it too much, that's where shit goes wrong. 
Okay, so it's another little, little aspect to, to consider when you're putting together your week and your programs. Now, when we, uh, when we look at all of this as a performance-based topic, conversation, I just want to touch base and let you guys know that the best athletes that I've ever seen who have ever trained, you know, whether they're, I've trained people who play in the AFL or have played in the AFL. I've trained professional fighters. I've played professional level athletes like representative of Australia, whether it's, you know, elite cyclists, um, the elite Frisbee guy, TC. We've got, um, you know, we've got different people in different ways, even, even in like different sports like strongman and powerlifting and stuff like that. The best people do just quality work, right? They'll do what the what's necessary and maybe a little bit more or they'll just go harder in what's necessary and they won't do junk training. And I, I say that junk training's a term that I heard a while ago and I think it's a fantastic term because if you look at it from a point of view of like, if you're trying to fit everything you can into say one and a half hours per day. If you were really limited and you really like said, all right, cool, I'm going to be minimalist on this. What, what do I get the biggest bang for my buck out of? And what can I, what, what will help me get to my goal the fastest, right? If you just focused on those things, that'll get you to your, your results faster and the, and the best possible way. Okay, it's, I can guarantee you like, if you look at it from a point of view of, of say a high level athlete, they're going to be sprint training two to three times a week, which would cover their conditioning. And I would also say like, if they're doing that, they wouldn't be doing a second lower body day. So yeah, like I'd sort of say if they're hitting, you know, they're, they're training in their sport, it might be two to three times a week where they're doing sprints and, and longer distance running. So that covers their conditioning. That's, that's all they can handle there. They might be hitting strength three times a week. And then the rest of the time, they're just still going for like recovery based swims or walks and that's going to get them the best results. Again, like I said before, if they up those walks to more runs, shin splints happen, feet injuries happen, burnout happens, they feel terrible. Like it just doesn't work. So you need to sort of understand like training for the sake of training won't help you. Doing you know, extra arm work once your arms are already smashed, coming back 50 minutes later and doing more, not going to help you. It's, if anything probably going to hinder you. You're better off to sort of do what I've sort of recommended today and step it back in certain areas, focus on quality over quantity and don't, don't worry so much about where your, your heart rate gets to or, or what calories you've burnt or anything like that. Just focus on like have in, in your time to go hard and you gone as hard as possible and in your time to be consistent and move in that sort of moderate range for, for 30 to 40 minutes. Have you done that? And then in your, in your days where you need to recover, have you recovered, right? If you're ticking those boxes, you'll be absolutely fine. So I hope that makes some sense, guys. I know uh, I jumped around. There's a few topics in here, a few different ways to, to try and uh, through a few sort of concepts and ideas across to so try and help you guys understand it a little bit deeper. But what I want to, what I want to, leave you guys with if you guys can apply this 
and just trust me, trust the process that I'm sort of talking right now. You guys can apply this. You will see yourself become fitter than every single person that you know. Every single person around you, you'll be fitter than. And I say that confidently because I've seen it happen so many times, right? You know, like, and I'm not talking that your training partners and stuff like that. It's, it's hard to, if you're training with these people, they're going to get fit too. Don't get me wrong. I'm talking about your, your, your general people that you're around, you know, people at work, people at, at home, people that you're friends with. If you do this stuff, you're going to, you're going to be so much fitter and healthier than these people. And, and you'll have that, that edge that people love to have in their everyday life right? If your cardio fitness will be high, your general fitness will be high, you'll be strong, you'll be progressing forward in your body. And that's what I want you guys to have. Anyway, that's all I've got for you today. I hope that does help in some way. If you have any questions, please feel free to hit me up. It's a topic that, uh, you know, there'll be people who will, who will listen to this and be like, he's fucking wrong, right? Heat training's the best. So I do it six times a week. And then my question to them will be how long have they done it for? And how much has it improved their body and strength and fitness? You know, like the the last little rant I'll go on is one based around CrossFit. Because CrossFit's very hit-based if you're doing the, the CrossFit program. In the past, my boy Chazzy, who's a coach with us now, he wasn't a coach back hit back now, like well, at the time that I'm talking about, I think it was about 2005. 15 maybe he goes maddie i'm gonna do a crossfit comp in a month what do i need to do and he'd just been doing the general strength club program for the time leading into that and he is fit as fuck he's strong as fuck like he was huge hugely fit like he'd been training with me for years he played footy in the past done different sports basketball all this sort of stuff i said to him all right cool this is what we need to learn this 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 right Went into this CrossFit tournament, tournament, 75 people, other gyms who, who knew who we are, we knew who they were, who were in there. And what, what happened is like, he came in, people looking at us like, where the fuck are these guys here? They're, they're, they're not CrossFitters. He came seventh out of 75, first ever CrossFit comp. I'm on the sidelines in a chin-up um, box jump workout, yelling at him, trying to teach him how to kip, coaching, coaching him through kipping. I didn't teach him how to kip leading into it. He was doing strict pull-ups in the ladder at the very start, right? up to like set, it was one, two, three, four, five, six, continuously up for, I think it was 15 minutes or whatever. And it was box jumps and chin-ups. And for the first up to seven, he was doing strict pull-ups. And then by, by in the eighth set, halfway through the eighth set of pull-ups, I was like, bro, you gotta push yourself away from the bar, swing through, you know, hollow your body, you know, arch your body. And I, I basically coached him with my words on how to do a shit kip and he still smashed it. That's where we're at in the CrossFit um, world. We just, we didn't do it. I didn't teach him that stuff, right? He knows how to do it now. He went on and wanted to do a bit more deeper in it. But then it was like, hey, Matty, I've got three weeks or four weeks to prepare. What do I need to do? So I put together some stuff for him and it worked. Game seven, that was 75. Now, Alex, one of the girls who we're working with at the moment, like she's been training with me for five months um, and she's working with another bloke who helps her with her, her ollie lifting based work. Now, she's a very, very high chance of going over and competing in like China to improve 
or to, to compete with the best of the world to get into like the CrossFit Games, right? Now, in terms of what we do with her at Royal, zero CrossFit. I don't do it. I, I, I don't recommend her to do it. She does does squads and stuff by herself. I, I recommend her to get strong and have hard finishes, like what I've spoken about. I recommend her to sprints, do sprints to build her fitness base. Now, up into the, the, the comps and stuff that she was doing, that's what she was doing. Recently, she's added more, um, more conditioning, more ollie work and all that sort of stuff because she's had to be more specific with it. And essentially, she's just picked it up and it's, it's gone to a new level. And again, what I also recommended is go back, get stronger, and then start to build it again. You can't peak all year round. You can't do hit training all year round. You can't do competition-based workouts all year round. But if you get stronger and improve your base over time, you can adapt to absolutely anything. So that's what I want to leave you guys with. Build your base, adapt to everything, become a weapon, and you'll see huge, huge results. Now, if you need anything from me, please feel free to hit me up. I will be on the Instagrams or the Facebooks. You can message me. Um, and I'll do my best to help you. If you want to train with us at Royal, you can, you can go to royalfitness.com.au. Um, and you can you can apply through there, and we'll help you build up a plan, build a program. If you need um, if you need any kind of guidance, or you have a friend who needs any kind of guidance around training, share the podcast with them. Right? Share the podcast with them. Share the ideas that that we're throwing out there with them. If they've helped you in any way, I'm sure they'll help others. So you know, I'd much appreciate it. I don't I don't promote the podcast or anything like that. I just do it, do it for. For you guys to try and help out try and help you guys improve and understand why we're doing what we're doing and uh and to to grow and get better that's that's sort of all i'm trying to do now guys please have a great day train hard be smart with your training don't do drunk training and let's just keep improving as a team the better we can get as a team the better the you know fitness journey for everyone will be so talk to you shortly have a great day bye